I got the impression that he wrote on the back of each person's card in his Rolodex. He drew a picture of what he thought they looked like naked. Not just the women, everyone. Which doesn't make it any less uh, problematic for HR, but at least it's an equal. He's an equal opportunity harasser. We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that suck and shows that blow. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. Good morning, and welcome to a very special episode, the podcast in which we discuss very special episodes of television shows, even the very sad ones. Uh, I don't know how we're going to get through this one because it's genuinely sad, so prefer prefer for some laughs and insensitivity. (laughs) Uh, This week, we'll be discussing, for some context about what I'm talking about, News Radio, Season 5, Episode 1, Bill Moves On. In May of 1998, uh, film and TV star and comedian Phil Hartman's wife murdered him before committing suicide. He was, at the time, the star of a TV series called News Radio, which was preparing to start its fifth season. Uh, everyone on the show agreed to disband that that was it. Uh, and then they... Uh, realized that in order to get syndication for the series, they would have to do one more season. So everyone agreed to come back for one more. So this is the season premiere uh, in which they explain the death of Phil Hartman, you know, by making it the death of his character, Bill McNeil. And the actors responding to his death in the show are genuinely going through a grieving process because they themselves have actually just found out recently that Phil Hartman has died. So... Like I said, prepare for our hilarious hot takes <laughs> on this. I am your host this week, Ryan Alexander Tanner. Uh, with me is the biggest star in the history of FM radio. David Bitsenoffer. And uh, my on-again, off-again office romance. Austin Gorton. Hey, honey bunch. Ooh-hoo-hoo. I was on college radio, and I think it was FM, so... <laughs> so I, I i set you up you, you just knock them down yeah were you uh was was your dj persona wolfman bits no <laughs> i think i got kicked off because i missed an episode or something and then <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> was there just like right. dead air during your slot was one that can like... only hope i was asleep for it because it was at four in the morning well of course you wouldn't have a college radio job during like the day yeah, that's, that's for like actual professionals. Well, did I talk about the college radio station once? Where because we I went probably to the University of Minnesota Morris, so its initials are UMM, and we were KUMM. Uh huh. Oh yeah, I remember oh, that's about right. That. Yeah. yeah. I remember you. I remember you're talking about coming mm, in your ear. We're the only station that puts come in your ear. Awesome. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> it was on shirt. The so. audio. What's that? Yeah, do you have any audio of that, David? I don't think so. It wasn't very Man, was good. it like, hey, this is Dr. Bits coming at you with the wax stacks. <laughs> it should have been. Spinning the wheels of steel. <laughs> I, it was difficult because it's like a music station mostly. And we could not play any top 40 song, any song that was in the top 40 
at any point in the last 20 years. And <laughs> I was not well versed enough in music to be uh, to, to, to know what that was or those, was those obstacles yeah. there. Did you have to like provide your own music? Like, did you bring? Uh, yeah, music? they had a whole like you could provide your own music, but they also had like a rack of CDs and stuff that you could put okay. on. But I didn't know who most of them were, and and it's not like they'd be albums of people. And theoretically, one of the songs could have been top forty and. Like, if it's like, oh, I know this song, but it didn't mean I could play it. Right. You're like, what other songs have Chumba Wumba? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, go through, let's, let's go through the entire Chumba Wumba collection. <laughs> let's go through these Wham B-sides. Exactly. <laughs> David, I feel like there was two missed opportunities for you here. Yeah. One was to turn your time on this radio show into you just doing some sort of, like, uber left-wing conspiracy screed <laughs> where you're ba- like basically turning it into your like aural manifesto yeah or just playing the transformer soundtrack the whole time. <laughs> like just on over constant loop. and over again yeah wait don't try to tell me that you got the touch you got the power it was not a top 40 hit <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i think See, I'm pretty sure you could have just played that entire... I mean, I don't know. Maybe Dare to be Stupid cracked the top 40 at some point. Oh, yeah. Doubt it. Yeah. I'm just saying. All right, now cut the shit. (laughs) We're going to talk about news radio. Before we get into the episode, uh, we usually talk about our relationships with the show. We've never done a news radio episode before. So uh, we'll start with uh, David Bitsenhofer. What is your relationship with the show? Love news radio. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like I watched it. I think the reason I really started watching it was because I was a big fan of Kids in the Hall. Yep. And yep. so then I'm like, oh wow, you know, Dave Foley's on a sitcom. I better check it out. So I watched. I mean, I'd like to say I've seen every episode. I can't guarantee that. And these days, yeah, I feel like I've forgotten <laughs> more than I like, and I haven't done like a rewatch in a long time. But I pretty mm-hmm. much. I think I tailed off near the end, but then started watching in syndication and watched them. And I just, I think it's really funny and was probably one of the best sitcoms of the 90s, right? Late 90s? Yeah. Yeah, this 90s. was like mid to late 90s, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it was 94 to 98. Yeah. Yeah, I think it launched right around the same time as Friends. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I read a little, I read a little factoid from the Cracked Research team about how the Friends cast was in the studio audience of their pilot, of the news radio pilot. And the news radio pilot was directed by James Burroughs, who, of course, was a like classic TV director who was one of the main creative forces behind Cheers. But then mm-hmm. also he helped develop Friends and directed like a good chunk of the first season of Friends. And they, I, so according to this factoid, Friends cast was in the studio audience watching the news radio pilot. They were jealous that James Burroughs was working on this pilot, and they were worried that news radio was going to be this great show that completely kicked their ass. Uh huh. And which uh, uh, <laughs> jokes on them? They became superstars. They did, but news radio was yeah. funnier. I think or smarter. I don't know what to. I don't, that sounds snobbish it's a to different, say though. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different kind of humor. And... Mm-hmm. Well, we we talked about before we recorded that it was really important to evaluate this against Friends. Yeah. <laughs> Better or worse than Friends? Yeah. Question, Austin, what's your take? 
Uh, I actually have not seen a lot of news radio. I missed the boat the first time around. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I was, I was not, uh, I did not really know kids in the hall very much at all. So that, I think that was the entry point for a lot of people our age into news radio. And that was not an entry point for me because I didn't really know kids in the hall at the time either. Um, So I've only, I have only seen the first season of news radio. Oh, and that is, and that is only because this is one of those rare shows that my wife actually likes more than me. Well, I mean, I don't don't have anything against news radio, but like going into our relationship, I knew a lot more about TV than she did. And news radio is the one show where she's like, Oh, I love news radio. I've seen all of news radio. And back in the heyday of the TV on DVD craze, when, Mm -hmm. when, uh, when we were still in love with physical media and studios were realizing they could make money by putting out seasons of TV shows on DVD and uh, as as chronicled on previous episodes of our podcast, I was very fiscally irresponsible, and some of that took the form of buying lots of TV shows on DVD uh, at the time. The news radio, the first, I think they put like the first two seasons were because I think maybe the first season was short. Um, they put the first two seasons on one DVD set. And it was yep. one of the rare TV on DVD purchases that my wife specifically made herself and that mm-hmm. I didn't buy and bring into the house. Mm. And then we sat down and watched the first season together and I enjoyed it and laughed and it was great. And it was everything I had sort of heard that it was by then. Um, but we just never got back around to watching any more of it. So did you have uh, the this episode on DVD? No, we only we only have the first two seasons, I think it is. On okay. DVD. Yeah, this is season five, which is really for the most devoted fans only. This is like a completest season. Yeah, it was interesting that you said they did this for syndication rights, Mm -hmm. simply because I, the Cracked Research team also told me about how the creator of this show was like super pissed at NBC because he felt like they were constantly like not doing right by the show and trying to kill it, and uh, um, which is ironic because it lasted five seasons and 97 episodes which in today's tv landscape is like a humongous hit but back mm-hmm. then was enough to make a creator be like they're disrespecting my show and tried to kill it now i'm like you can well eight i was episodes, gonna bring that lucky. up <laughs> i was gonna bring that up because um well he very famously did a rolling stone interview yes. which i only have read recently where he talked you know probably too candidly uh-huh. about his kind of behind the scenes experience. Cause critically this show was a pretty big hit. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was very well received, um, but it kept changing times is what happened. Yeah. That's, like, he got this, pissed off at NBC about that. Yeah. They never found a good place to put it. It changed times like more than, you know, most shows ever have done. And it is, you know, heavily theorized to be, a lot of what screwed with the show's reception. Yeah, and right. it's before DVR so, too, you know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, well, way before. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. most people aren't even paying attention to that. Yeah, when I think of news radio, I feel like it was the uh, arrested development of its time, in my opinion. Or, That's actually pretty good yeah. way to put it. Or later, yeah. or later, the community of its time. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. No, I. That's a good. That's an interesting. Like these kind of smart. Uh, 
sit off kilter sitcoms that get killed by the network. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but are critically well received and have a strong following. Yeah, and have weird ups and downs. Uh-huh. Yep. Because all those shows too have like a bad season at least, right? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'll tell you my experience, which is uh, I remember seeing like maybe the first episode when it aired, like by accident. And being like, oh, Dave Foley's in this. Yeah. And then being like, oh, my God, Phil Hartman's in this. And I was, like, on board. But uh, I was not a huge network TV watcher. I was always more of a syndication watcher. So I would see it every once in a while. And as we mentioned, it changed times all the time. So even for someone who was really interested in the show, it was difficult to go, okay, Thursday is at 830. That's when I'm watching news radio. Right. And so... But then it came on in syndication later, and there was a period in the Bay Area, as I was in high school, uh, where the syndication lineup was like, it was basically like two Simpsons and then two news radios in a row. And you were just like set. Like, mm-hmm. I was just, that's what I was doing every <laughs> night for like two years. So I watched every episode, like, because they would play them in a cycle, you know? Right. So I actually right. knew the show really well. I do think also uh, it's one of the very best ensemble casts on a uh, show, yeah. sitcoms wise, like maybe ever. Like the uh, the sharpness of the writing and then also the performers. Like everyone on the show is on point. And a lot of people like Joe Rogan has become a big radio guy. Andy Dick. I don't know what we want to say about him. <laughs> uh, Dave. I have a few yeah. things to say about him. <laughs> yeah. Dave Foley, this was kind of his peak, I yeah. think, actually. Um, well, Kids in the Hall in this, you know, but yeah, he yeah. didn't. Um, he had some not great comedy specials in the last, you know, five years. Anyway, I was a big fan of the show. And then, I don't know, six months ago, I had, I think that's what happened is I stumbled onto that interview and I was like, oh, I want to watch news radio again. And it was some shows you can just find them real easy and watch them all online, which is like the basis of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, and then some are hard to find. And I, I ended up on Amazon. I bought the whole series for like $15 on DVD. Nice. And they came in like these plastic sleeves, which I was annoyed by. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. That does not qualify as very good condition, <laughs> Amazon. Right? <laughs> So, uh, and then I only watched a couple. I didn't really get through them. But then I was like, shit, what am I going to do for my next episode? And this just popped into my head. And here we are. I'll also say that our fourth uh, regular Carolyn Maine was going to be on this episode, but she's in Germany. So we tried to schedule it, but then she said nine, and we said <laughs> Scheiße. We said, all right, we'll see you at nine. But we didn't uh, quite understand what was happening. She thought, <laughs> she thought you were like, no, we yeah. don't want you on the show. So... Okay, so let's get into the episode. I don't know how this conversation's going to go, because this episode is a fucking bummer. And yeah. uh, I, I know that it is true from interviews and stuff that uh, this really was, like, there's, like, a scene towards the end where they're all reading notes from him and everyone's crying, and those people are really crying. Yeah, like, this was, like, real feeling. So it's a very kind of an awkward episode where they're they're trying to have levity around this thing and then they're like very truly processing grief which is weird right so the the team and it's about a fm radio station in new york by the way this show mm-hmm. <laughs> for those yeah. who are not familiar <laughs> and uh and there's a lot of interesting dynamics between characters like dave and lisa are kind of the main characters part part of the interview i read was uh or i read like an oral history and it was about how they have they skip the will they won't they and i think in like the second episode or something they get together 
and then it's not a will they won't they it's like an off and on yeah. and right. Uh, right. they're like have a secret relationship for a long time then everyone finds out and they break up and it kind of goes back and forth and they don't end up together at the end of the show yeah and also this is the beginning of the fifth season so then they bring in john lovitz to replace phil hartman and the show like kind of officially goes to shit yeah. like it becomes really cartoony and I, even the people working on it, like nobody's heart was in it at all mm, it was very yeah. much like uh uh, let's get this syndicated so we can all kind of get our dues. But uh, this was uh, I, this was Moira Tierney's big break, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if she was super big before this. And I believe that Phil Hartman is Bill McNeil. Like, I love Phil Hartman. I think he's so funny. And I think that it might be his best performance ever as that mm-hmm. character. I haven't yeah, seen. I haven't seen enough of it to to weigh in on that. I think maybe my favorite line ever is when he uh, he's getting like a smoking lounge, like he's a smoker, and that's a recurring thing. <laughs> and then he gets this really nice chair to sit in for his like smoking area, and uh, and and I think it's Catherine is like, "Can I try?" I'm glad you asked, Catherine, because no, <laughs> <laughs> just the way he says it. So at the beginning of the episode, everyone comes in and there's just like awkward silence for like a while, which mm-hmm. is a uh, really mm-hmm. good uh, cold open. And then uh, there's kind of some exposition between characters and they're all just came back from the memorial service. Bill's, Bill McNeil's death is a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was kind of because they work in a whole bit with with Andy Dick talking about how like the flower arrangement was a heart, but it was like broken is that because bill died of a heart attack and then mr james is like no it's because i sat on the flowers Mm -hmm. in the limo and we're like ah um because this this is one of those interesting episodes where it's like they're dealing with a serious subject but it's still a sitcom so they feel the need to Mm -hmm. like insert jokes at the same time i Um, feel like the the joke part still kind of felt true to what like a funeral is like or yeah, cause, yeah, yeah. It's not like that. there's not jokes at funerals. Yeah, like you, yeah. You still but, talk no, about the person yeah. fondly sometimes, and you know we'll laugh. But so anyway, so so the whole gag with the broken heart and all of that mm-hmm. smacked to me of a little bit of like clumsy ex- exposition as a way to establish in universe how the character died, and it mm-hmm. got me thinking about like. Would they would they have needed to say why he died? Like, could they have just been like, "Oh, Bill died"? But then it also got me thinking about how maybe they they wanted to establish how the character died so that the audience would know it was not how Phil Hartman died. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, the Bill McNeil character is not uh, married, mm-hmm. right? So, but still, I like, mean, you just you you wonder if they wanted to get that out there to be like, this is how the character died. It's not like he got you know shot or anything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the craziest celebrity deaths. Like, oh, the yeah. murder-suicide of Phil mm-hmm. Hartman was just like, holy shit, all of a sudden. Like, yeah. Um, well, just, and partially because, like, this is, like, Phil Hartman was a, a phenomenal actor and comedian um, and definitely, like, a big name, but he's not, like, a superstar. Like, he was never, hmm. like, you know, I don't know, Tom Cruise or something. And you feel like that, like, it was this super sensational, like, where the fuck did that come from kind of death, which you don't mm-hmm. necessarily associate with, like, really strong comedic actors who are great character actors. So you're saying that, like, if Tom Hanks's wife murdered him, it would make more sense to you? 
Um, no, but if Tom Cruise's wife murdered him, it would make more sense. <laughs> well, I'm not touching that one yeah. because I don't want those Scientology people saying shit. To me. Tom Hanks one would just be confusing because he seems like such a swell guy. Well, I Tom Hanks is a bad example because yeah. obviously no one would ever murder Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks could walk through like a starving village with two hams in each hand. And no one would even try to take them from him because he's right. so beloved. The world. And I don't want. And I don't want to suggest like Phil Hartman wasn't a nice guy. Because I'm sure. But he, what I'm saying is like, is there a level of fame that makes it make more sense that your wife would murder you? Yeah. I don't understand what your point is. There's a certain. There's a certain type of fame, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but I feel Where, like most celebrity deaths I think of are either unfortunately suicide or overdoses. Yeah, that's true. Like those are the ones that like. Me not really knowing anything about Phil Hartman's personal life. Like, if you hear one of those two things, I mean, it's still sad. And that you're just kind of like, yeah, that's what some famous people do. But then this was just kind of like, whoa, we, you know, getting murdered and then getting murdered by someone you know. Not like some yeah. crazed fan or anything. I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah. just seemed to have a lot of things that don't usually happen, I guess. Like, I guess I would say I was... I was young enough at the time to not necessarily know that Chris Farley was consistently coked out of his gourd. But, uh-huh. but when you hear that he died of a drug overdose, you're like, yeah, that seems like the kind of guy who would have been coked out of his gourd and had, mm-hmm. and then one night had too much. And we had, you know, a, a tragic you know, life cut too short kind of situation. I and mean, maybe it's just because it's the whole murder suicide thing where he's like, but it's, it's Phil Hartman. Like, where did that come from? Yeah. And I guess I don't know that there would be a murder suicide where it wouldn't be. Where did that come from? But well, so David, you got engaged recently, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan of gun control for a reason, Ryan. <laughs> so then, uh, we'll talk about you pushing your lefty politics on the show towards the end. <laughs> But uh, not we got a reader response coming up, but politics. a listener response. But we're not. Well, we'll save it. But so anyway, there's levity in the episode, but it's all kind of awkward, which I agree that is kind of true yeah. to life, to funerals. I've had I've been to some funerals in the last five years, and uh, there is definitely an element of that. You yeah. know, and I but I do wonder what it's like for the audience, assuming this was filmed before a live studio audience. Yeah, that's a good point. You wonder about that. Again, well, we've talked about uh, that. You should before. ask the cast of Friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, they saw a more traditional sitcom episode. and But, I mean, this one, yeah. like, we've talked about that before, but this one just has that added... Reality. Yeah. <laughs> spice yeah. of reality. Like, the, it's real, like, what they're seeing. It would be much different if Phil Hartman was like, I want more money next year, yeah. and they wouldn't give it to him, and they killed his character. It's a lot different than when right. Valerie of Valerie's family died on the show. Right. <laughs> and then right. the aunt moved in, and uh-huh. you're like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why haven't we done any Valerie's family God, episodes it's, it's is what I want to know. It's a good question. And I guess as we're on the topic of other ep- other shows, there was the what? <laughs> Let's just talk about other shows. No, well, <laughs> I was going to ask about this, David. So go where you're well, going. Well, you should. Say I remember one I'm very special episode of Family Guy. John Ritter. What was he in? Oh yeah, uh, Eight Simple. Oh, Rules. Eight Simple. Yeah, yeah that would have been a. Uh, I've never seen that episode though, but that's kind of. That'd be an interesting one to see. I guess I don't know how. Yeah, that is that, and that's one like this where they. Yeah 
address in universe the untimely death of their le- of their actor and yeah. bring it into the context of the show. But I believe he died like while they were filming an episode, not like during on camera. Literally, anything, while like, yeah. he didn't drop dead on set or anything. So yeah. like I think like the first scene or like the first act is like just the episode they were planning on doing and then just midway they're just like you know he his character died like at the grocery store or something like of a heart attack and (laughs) then the rest of the episode was them dealing with that fact and it i don't know that's all that's about all i know about it i'm sure it was hilarious (laughs) but yeah it does seem like it would suck i mean this is probably the most selfish observation i'll ever make but if you were like, oh, cool, I got tickets to see a live uh, recording of news yeah. radio, and then it was this episode, you'd be like, fuck, yeah. man. Although it would be kind of an amazing thing to be present for, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then there's a lot of running bits in this episode, as they do. Uh, and so Dave, played by Dave Foley, try to uh, keep that straight. Uh, <laughs> another, a there's a, It's another 90s sitcom yeah. star that's a comedian who has to use his real name as his character name. Yeah, so his eulogy sucked as kind of the runner. He mm-hmm. did a big, long, crappy eulogy. Uh, and then, I don't know, uh, opening credits. <laughs> yeah, did, uh, do you guys know, because obviously the uh, the way we watched this on uh, online didn't have the opening credits. Oh, it didn't? Yeah. Well, because I watched the DVD, actually. Okay, so the I DVD. Like, I bought these fucking DVDs. So the DVD yeah. did. <laughs> I got to put these in fucking use. Um, yeah. Did, uh, Fifteen dollars better be worth it. I know, get my fifteen dollars worth. <laughs> Unlike you, Austin, I'm very frugal. And I was like, <laughs> you paid fifteen dollars for this. I'm watching every goddamn episode four times. Yeah, you don't want to know how many DVDs I've bought and not watched. Um, so still in the plan. So it had op- so it had opening credits in your on the DVD. Well, the opening credits of this show are like ten seconds. Yeah, long. yeah, I, I, I understand. But like they a... did they cut to it at some point. I just wasn't sure if that was a video upload cut out or if they yeah. didn't do the opening credits because it was kind of a different episode sort of deal yeah no but yeah this isn't like a title sequence show this is the right, show that does right. the credits as the show's running and it just has like a 10 second like na with like the footage of the but it's really quick I'm gonna, it's not like i'm gonna a, make yeah. you singing that song my ringtone ryan <laughs> sounds good <laughs> so then we open in dave's office uh, it's Matthew and Dave, and uh, Matthew played by Andy Dick. Yep. In and he, I have heard um, this season is like the period in his life where he really loses his shit, actually, and it's partially related to you know Phil Hartman dying. Uh, I was just reading up on this because I once read about it before that he and John Lovitz like hate each other. Oh, really? And John Lovitz has accused Andy Dick of being the reason that Phil Hartman is dead. Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Because uh, Phil Hartman's wife was sober for 10 years, and then it was Andy Dick who gave her cocaine at, like, a Christmas party once. And then, and whether you buy into that's the actual reason, and I think John Lovitz in this article I read kind of backed off on that. He said he did tell Andy Dick that, but then later he said he tried to apologize for it, that, you know, it's, you know, it's bigger than just that, but then they've just, but then Andy Dick has been a, pun intended, a dick to John Lovitz since then, and then they got into like a bar fight, or I think it was backstage at a comedy show, they got into a fight where 
John Lovett started like throwing Andy Dick against the wall and stuff, and they had to get. Separated. Oh my god, that must have been the most like limp wristed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, there. I, how much hair pulling was in that fight? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I just realized it's it's we have another it's another shame another reason it's a shame Carol's not on this episode considering she has a a personal history of sorts with Andy Dick. Does she? I don't even remember. Yeah, I can't. Got brought up on Save by the Bell review. Okay. Well, he's in that, he's all... in that class with like Gallagher of uh, of famous comedians that she's had brushes with. Yeah, um, I haven't heard good things about Andy Dick beyond no, just Carolyn. Nor have I from. Well, he during the whole Me Too thing, he got in trouble on set of a movie or something because he was being like inappropriate, and I was like. I, uh, can you name a set he wasn't in? <laughs> like who he is, you know? Like, it's kind of his shtick. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just one of those people that's always... Yeah. And his Mark Marin interview is one of the most interesting ones, too. Like, he's a character, that guy. Mm-hmm. I feel, He definitely feels like somebody I could not be friends with, I can tell you that. Beyond anything else, I think he just get on my nerves too much. Uh, is that how you feel about the cast of Friends, or do you feel like you can be friends with all of those people? Well, do you, should I go over which who I most want to be my friend on the cast? I'll of go friends? first because it's quick. Phoebe is the only one of those people I would hang out with. Mm. Rachel, I'd hang out with her. I'd probably, yeah, I'd hang out with Rachel. Well, but would you be friends or would you? <laughs> probably the no, one let's who I. Let's be very I'd... clear. Let's be one hundred percent clear here, Ryan. We would want to be more than friends with Rachel. We would not be more than friends with Rachel. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Would you uh, Would you be genuine friends? I'm talking about genuine friendship. Yeah. I'm not talking about a casual friendship. Yeah. I'm talking about like. Yeah. I feel like the I feel like the only one of the friends that I wouldn't really be friends with is Ross. Yeah. Oh, I'd hate to be around. He's Ross. probably my second choice after Phoebe, Eek. and that might just be because I'm probably too much like Ross. To <laughs> mm. I just feel like Phoebe doesn't really fit in with the other friends. Yeah. Well, she totally also, doesn't. Yeah, she's the only person that I would uh, could stand. She's I vegetarian, think. so I'd get along with her on that. That's true. Well, I'd get past that, but um, <laughs> I feel like an part of it is like I feel like I've had friends who are like a Monica and friends who are like a Joey. And eh, Chandler doesn't bother me too much, um, and Phoebe seems pretty chill. So I just know that I have some friends with impossibly large apartments <laughs> in New York City. I'm fine. With, I'm fine with suspension of disbelief and shit. But that genuinely like is a blaring distraction every time I watch well, that show. Where I'm just like, that apartment would be like nine thousand dollars. Yeah, but rent, it was rent, rent controlled control, by her aunt. Yeah. <laughs> Oh really? Like they talk about it? Yeah, yeah, in the first episode they talk about how it's rent. Oh well, that's on me then. All right, you win. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Matthew doesn't believe that Bill's really dead, which is kind yeah. of like a processing thing a lot of people do. Yeah, like, he he specifically says that he had a plan to move to Afghanistan and like yep. open some kind of business, and it only stuck out to me because it was a. Reminder that this was a pre nine eleven show. Yep. Yeah. It, you know, it's... <laughs> where Afghanistan doesn't have any sort of connotation aside from being a, right. Where you're just like, location. oh, that's just like a random country's name. It's not like a thing the way it's <laughs> yeah. in a few years. Uh huh. Yeah. No, I know that's like being like, oh, he'd move to Timbuktu. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. No, I feel like I had that same I'll, reaction. I got the impression that a lot of the characters were just supposed to represent different stages of the grieving process, kind of thing. But yeah. Know. Yeah. 
Though they never, they never, I mean, they never hung a lampshade on it or yeah. it explicit. But yeah, you do get that like where, yeah. vibe a little bit. Matthew's in denial. Yeah, denial. Yeah. And that's all I got, so I don't mm-hmm. know about <laughs> Well, so then uh, there's a scene in the staff kitchen that everyone's concerned about Matthew, and everyone talks about kind of how they mourn Bill. I love Beth, too. She hasn't been in a lot of stuff. She's, I think, maybe been in the least yeah. stuff of everyone. Yeah, I feel like kind of like this is her thing. Um, when I was younger, I used to always get her mixed up with Kathy Griffin. Oh, yeah. They, well, they both have red hair, and they're both white. <laughs> and so. and they're both kind... They kind of have that, like... They had a quirkiness. East Coast, yeah, mm-hmm. sort of New York quirkiness, I guess. I don't know. I think that she is, like, so outstanding on this show, I gotta say. Like, uh, she's just like an underrated tv character i would say like you know she's kind of the eccentric secretary but just her inflection and everything like i i think she's brilliant ryan how could you forget her her starring role in 1998's godzilla Mm. was she in that (laughs) she was (laughs) who was she in that she was godzilla (laughs) (laughs) she was one of the godzilla babies she was mocap Godzilla. That's yeah. why I didn't recognize her. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, she was, uh, according to the crack research team, Dr. Elsie Chapman. And I'm sure you know 1998's Godzilla well mm-hmm. enough to know exactly who that is. I don't think that was a major role. I don't think it was either. If I I want to say she was like some random scientist that popped up like maybe in one or two scenes. But yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and wasn't she in Mouse Hunt? I she, she was in. Of... She was in there Mouse Hunt. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, and good night. <laughs> yep. I can't speak to either of those movies because I haven't seen any of them. So. I've never seen Mouse Hunt, but I I don't know why I know that she's in it. I think it was on cable, and I was like, oh, it's Beth from News Radio, huh. and that was like my entire experience. How'd you or How'd I you just... miss seeing uh, 1998's Godzilla with me, David? Because I'm blessed. <laughs> I, well, no, I'm I'm like I feel like I. I don't know. How'd you dodge that bullet? The same way I missed a uh, Wing Commander and Battlefield Earth. So. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't wait to see 1998 Godzilla. <laughs> I know, super excited. Like it was like it was huge that summer. Yeah, like before it came out, like it was everywhere. That was like yeah. the movie of the summer. And then you saw it and you're like, "Holy shit, was that terrible?" <laughs> well, they were really smart to not show you what Godzilla looked like in the marketing yeah. of the movie. And I want to be clear here: this was 1998 Austin who walked out of that movie feeling like it was shitty. And David, <laughs> yeah. and David knows how how bad it had to have yeah. been for that to be true. Well, that was like the worst summer of movies maybe ever, because that was Godzilla that was and Battle- Lost in and Space. Battlefield was Earth. It, and yeah. Was it? I thought that was later. I'm pretty sure that was 98. And then there was an, I think that was one of those natural disaster summers, too. I think that might have been the Armageddon. I think um, that might have been the Armageddon summer, yeah. Yeah, Armageddon and then Deep Impact was the other one. There was like two Comet movies. Oh, uh, yeah, Deep Impact but, was the other one. It might have been. I don't think it was because I think it might have been the same director. Was that the same summer as Twister? No, Twister was way. Twister was like ninety five. God damn, I hate that movie, Twister. Um, okay. Yeah, Armageddon so, was ninety eight. Battlefield Earth was two thousand. Yeah. That was much later than. Uh, yeah, I thought that was. But late. yeah, you're okay. right. Ninety eight was the summer of the uh, comet slash asteroids destroying Earth movies. That was like the summer that there were no good big movies, mm. if I recall. Yeah, correctly. no, it was a, it was a, it was a dank year, that's for sure. Yeah, it was like every single one was bad. So, 
Uh, and Lisa has been drinking heavily. Yeah. She went on a four-day bender, and everyone keeps saying she's drunk, and she's like, I'm not still drunk. And that's uh, also a recruiting Four-day yeah. bender is kind of a problem, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like far be from oh, me Oh, that reminds me, to, David. Like, I, I, don't know, doctor, saw, I don't yeah. know doctor drinks a lot, is it? <laughs> I know. So, David, because you, this is shortly after St. Patty's I knew Day. That. As soon you as I said tradition. this, I knew this was going to happen. All right. <laughs> that is so you should be throwing of all of us that was so one david day. what was it like what was it like to get your stomach pumped <laughs> this wasn't even like my worst saint patrick's day i was uh I, no I, yeah. how many, i was okay in the would you have 15 drinks 16 uh, i think was 16 what I, I think was, was but i wasn't sure if that was when you stopped drinking or when you stopped being able to use no, your phone that was my to last <laughs> My last drink was a beer that I didn't know what I... I forgot what I ordered, but a beer came to me, so I was like, all right. <laughs> I was pretty drunk by the end of it. But I didn't wake up the next morning and just start pounding beers again and getting... <laughs> that's my point. And even if she said it was like a weekend bender, that's fine. But once you're on your fourth day, I feel like that's more indicative of a greater problem you have with alcohol, but... I guess yeah. that's a stone I can't throw, so I should just shut up. <laughs> yeah, really, you're really asking for it. <laughs> uh, going into this, going into this next scene was the first time that I noticed that they were still using the normal like cheery transition. Me, where it's like you know, <laughs> going into the scene, and it was just like it seems a little tonally dissonant for the subject matter of it's like, oh, we're sad that someone died. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, here's another scene about how we're sad. I always hate it when they do the the slow sad version. If it was like it would have been worse. So I guess my alternate preferred alternative would have been don't have scene transition music in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And they do some interesting stuff with silence in this episode. Yeah, because they, yeah, they do in other places. And so that's what they, they clearly weren't afraid to play around with it a little bit. That might, I wonder if that's like a branding, like it a could constraint. Be. Yeah, like very you well. have to do that. Yeah, there could yeah. be rules or there was rules about it. Because it's also a way to like let people know what the show is, I guess. Like when they're coming back from a commercial, right. you know, if you're flipping yeah. channels. Yeah. Like, so, uh, yeah, after the commercial break, uh, Dave's in his office revising his eulogy, which is his coping method. Uh, yes, Lisa says that it is, he finds it cathartic. And then uh, Mr. James had my favorite line of the episode where he's like, oh, cathartic. That's a big word for a pie-eyed drunk. <laughs> yeah, and she went to some wake that she, yeah, yeah. That's what she, yeah, she finds She finds out there was no wake for Bill and. She was clearly just drunk at someone else's wake. <laughs> yeah, you guys aren't willing to and, say uh, that that might be a problem with her. <laughs> <laughs> no, David, we're not willing to let you say that. Might be a problem. <laughs> Everyone else can say it. <laughs> Here, okay, quick sidebar for you. So, uh, so Jimmy James is played by Stephen Root. Yeah. Um, of this, of the list I'm about to give you, what's your favorite Stephen Root character? Ooh, this is gonna be good. Jimmy James. Mm-hmm. Milton from Office Space, mm. Bill Dotrieve, or the guy that bought the main character in Get Out. <laughs> Wait, who's Bill Dotrieve? From King of the Hill. Oh, you forgot oh, one character. I never watched King of the Hill, really. There's a one more, Aussie you didn't even bring up. Well, who, who would you like to throw in the mix? Uh, the Dodgeball. He was in Dodgeball, too. 
He was in Die. You know, he was in a shit ton of stuff. I was. I he's in so I remember much stuff. Him from yeah. that one. That's where he okay. he saves the tournament for them because he gets mad he that save, David Hasselhoff is hitting on his wife. <laughs> so David's going with dodgeball. No, not necessarily. Um, I just, okay. I just you just want throw that him in the mix. mix. When I think of him, that's okay. who I think. of I don't know why he put the get out in there though. Yeah, because it's a great performance by him. <laughs> uh, well, also he's in a bunch of Coen Brothers movies. Been in a bunch of what? Coen Brothers movies. Oh, he's yeah. kind of a, a re- like he's in a brother where art thou and a bunch. Um, I'm gonna go with Jimmy James. That's the other thing I wanted to say about this show. Like his character, they're really good at building on characters on this show mm-hmm. and like giving them nuance. Like the Lisa character has all these really great uh, characteristics, and she's like a math genius is one thing. Or like all the characters have like weird obsessions and things that they get into on the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jimmy James is like this weird eccentric genius and he also has this really spotty history like they get into it here where mm-hmm. he knows who the jfk assassin is yeah there's a there's a recurring gag throughout the series that he was deep throat like that comes up oh, a really? lot <laughs> I didn't know that. yeah there's a bunch yeah like i really love the character of jimmy james like a com- he's a complex character yes yeah, yeah. i think i'd have to go with james james too yeah it's it's Random. it's bill joe treat for me <laughs> But I'm a big well, I'm a big King of the Hill fan. So uh, and then Dave says that uh, you know Bill will would have told Dave that his eulogy sucked, and then uh, Jimmy tells him, and Dave appreciates. I always like jokes like that. Yeah, he's like ah, oh, you don't mean that. He's like, no, it really sucked. He's like, oh, go on. <laughs> and then Catherine, played by Candy Alexander, comes back yeah. for this episode. Was she not in the fourth season? I don't know exactly when she leaves, but she very officially leaves the show. And I think yeah. that she left, actually, because she was kind of the only character that they didn't do a lot with. Yeah, yeah. I remember she definitely and, left the show, but I just and forgot And the episode when. where she leaves is such a good episode. It's like a Rashomon episode where everyone remembers it differently, like why she left. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's really, really good. Uh, she left in the seventh episode of season four. Okay. And that episode's called Catherine Moves On, and then this episode's called Bill Moves On, which is a very uh, weird... Yeah, that kinda... is kind of an interesting little... Yeah, she was in 60 episodes compared to Dave Foley, who was in 97 episodes, which is, I believe, every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so like um, two-thirds. So then uh, Bill has written... Uh, letters to everyone that his lawyer provides. We don't want to talk about Andy Dick's whole ashes in the desk routine. <laughs> I don't know if I saw that. Oh, really? What kind of janky ass DVDs did you buy, Ryan? I know. I want my fifteen dollars back. Where he, he wants to get his ashes put in his desk. He yeah. yeah he has a conver- Yeah, he has a conversation. I think it's with Lisa about mm-hmm. how like when he dies, he wants his ashes put into his desk, and she's like. Well, I always thought when I died, it would be nice to sprinkle my ashes over the creek behind the house where I grew up. And he's like, well, you think I'm going to drag your desk all the way up to that creek? And (laughs) I only bring it up because out of everything in this episode, that felt the most like Andy Dick to me in terms Mm. of just like, this seems like something that he probably thought was really hysterical and isn't quite as hysterical as he (laughs) thinks it is. Hmm. The whole back and forth about like I want my ashes in the desk and him thinking everyone wants their ashes in their desk, but that not mm-hmm. being a thing that people do and 
I don't know. It's just interesting to me that they both were on board with getting cremated, which I guess makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That that like went past like, without comment. The two yeah. of them. <laughs> like it was just something you do. I mean, I plan on getting cremated. I suppose. Yeah. Me- yeah. Good to know. Or maybe donated to science. Well, when you get cremated, you'll probably burst into flame immediately because <laughs> of blood alcohol, alcohol level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm standing way back when they, because I'll be there, of course. E- either that, or or uh, he'll be able to like lie in state for months and months because he'll basically be embalmed at that point. That's true. I want actually David to be stuffed and placed in my home. <laughs> he dies. Well, I feel like if I get just think about it, David. If I get donated to science, I do have the possibility of becoming a Frankenstein. And that that would be true. that bad. That's true. Do you think you might really donate your body to science? <laughs> I haven't really thought that far. I don't know why not. Well, I'm certainly up for like doctors harvesting every possible organ they yeah. can out of me when I die. I, Are you? Although I've heard some stuff about... I don't about... fucking need them anymore. I I probably shouldn't say this on the show. Like, this is a thing about myself I'm not proud of. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't blame anyone for being thinking this is shitty. But I'm not an organ donor. And I don't think it's rational. Like, but... I have a weird, I guess you could call it a superstition or something, but I don't want some part of my body to still be alive after I'm dead. <laughs> like, there's something about that that doesn't feel right to me. I guess I just like, like I want to just be all dead, lives, all of it. But, you know, to each their own. Yeah, that's to each their own, whatever. <laughs> I mean, again, I, you know, you can write me an angry letter and I won't say you're wrong, but it's just a weird, I think that if limb, I don't know if I even believe in the afterlife, I'm agnostic, but like if limbo is a real thing, I think that like, you're going to be in limbo for 20 years while someone's yeah, you finishing up with your kidney. I was just going to say, you don't want to, you don't want to go to the afterlife without your uh, left kidney, old lefty. I just don't know what it means if part of your body is still alive when you are dead. Like, I, I, don't, that is... I don't think it means diddly squat, but that's yeah. just me. Yeah. I think it means so I have a chance of right. possessing another person and living another life. <laughs> I just hope to outlive Ryan so that someday I can wear him like a skin suit. <laughs> I hope to outlive Austin because apparently his organs are up for grabs. <laughs> Austin, when you die, I'll eat your heart and it will give me strength. There you go. Although I should say that, like, I've read stories about donating your body to science and, quote, science can involve the military just, like, putting a grenade in you and seeing what happens. So I don't know. Well, I thought you were going to say science involves turning you into some sort of, like, zombie-esque super soldier killing machine. Well, no, then, then, like, then it's a guarantee I'm becoming. (laughs) I'm donating to science. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if they just need to figure out how deadly their weapons are on me. That doesn't seem like a great deal. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm, I'm just picturing it I'm picturing it as like some super mundane weapons test too like yeah. yep grenades still blow people up like it isn't even like <laughs> testing a new weapon it's just making sure existing ones still work like they think they do it's just like the routine one it's yeah. not even a cool one yeah. right. yeah. like, shove a grenade in that guy's mouth yep still blows him apart moving on they go, oh, it's, it's, it's the middle of February time to do the grenade test <laughs> yeah it still works Okay, now that we've established what all our dead bodies are going to be like. <laughs> I'm more confused where all than going. I know. Uh, so, Bill has written a letter, letters to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
this was funny and sad where he's talking about his wishes and he's like wish number one i wish i weren't dead like that yeah. was yeah <laughs> yeah um so basically he, he all his letters to everyone they everyone all read them out loud they're all sort of like apologies for being shitty yeah, yeah i will say it, it, of course it's matthew who brings it up which makes it a little typical but like I don't know if I'd be comfortable just reading out loud this personal note that was written to me. To yeah, because I forget who it is. I forget who it is. It's like, oh, let's all read them out loud. I'd be like, let's not, thanks. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> let, let, like, let's let me read it to myself first, and then I'll decide if I want to share it with everyone. I know. But I, of course, I really wish that, that this scene had been everyone sitting in Right, that, of course, is letters. not as telegenic <laughs> no, as everyone I mean, reading yeah. them out loud. This was, uh, for whatever reason, don't ask me why, because they've been in the newsroom the entire time. This was the first scene where I was like, aren't these people supposed to be doing news radio <laughs> yeah. or whatever at this yeah. point? Like, <laughs> There's a lot of that on this show. I know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, well. And how, like, you, do? you don't even meet any of the other on-air talent for the most part. It's... I was just going to say, I feel like this, maybe this is just me because I only saw the first season, but I'm like, I feel like Bill and the other gal, it's Catherine. Yeah, Catherine. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Bill and the cat and Catherine were the only ones that I ever saw like on the air. And so I was like, is this whole group just producing like one one hour news segment? Is that right. like, a day? Like is that their entire job? Well, this is one of those shows, it's like taxi. It has really active extras and there's like shit happening in the background a lot. Like there's always someone in the booth usually. This episode's a little more, yeah, you know, yeah. empty than a lot of, of them. But generally yeah. there's I think there are a handful of people that went to work every week and were just regular mm-hmm. uh, staff members on this show that were background extras, you know. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, and then the part of the note he writes to Matthew, like, that says, I really am dead. Like, that was kind of a moment, mm. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Where Matthew finally comes to terms with the fact that he's not off hiding in some exotic locale. Yeah, that was that was a tricky one. And, su- and surprisingly understated coming from Andy Dick. Yeah. Yeah. And then he tells Dave he's not sorry, which I thought was good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then he, he writes a sexy letter to Catherine. And that's a thing throughout the series that they had sex one time. That's from, like, the second episode or something. Oh, okay. Mm. And it comes up occasionally. Yeah. And then, yeah, this is the, the scene where everyone's, like, genuinely crying and upset. Right, like, right. As it's being filmed. So then, uh, and then they burn the notes, which is, you know, well, he, he made them extra flammable. Yeah, well, they burn the notes. <laughs> And he, like, said, for added fun, he made them extra flammable to add some pizzazz or whatever, which is fine. And so then, like, but then I expected more from it, but then it was just, like, this fire that was coming out of the basket, which wasn't all that notable. And I'm like, I guess that's more of a fire than you'd normally get from burning notes, but on TV, if it went uncommented upon, I wouldn't have really said anything yeah, it'd be like right, i wouldn't yeah, have been like no, oh was... paper doesn't burn that brightly or anything i've just been like it's... it was an underwhelming yeah. <laughs> so, yeah yeah so they didn't have to create an explanation for why we'd actually see the flames come out of the basket even though that's well i think it was a a bit that in the the mechanics of it it was I think the way that was envisioned versus how it panned out was it didn't work out yeah that's possible yeah because then Dave's like, oh, my office is on fire, and Joe has to go get a, a, a thing to put it out, and it was just very, like, not an intimidating amount of fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So uh, then we go to Bill's empty desk, and everyone kind of one by one says a goodbye and steals something from his mm-hmm. desk. Well, this is where we learn, and this is some of the jokes that probably don't age as well, was that he, like, draws what he thinks everyone looks, na- like, naked on the back of his Rolodex. Uh-huh. Which is kind of funny, but, well, it kind of reminds me that, like, throughout the series, he's not really that good of person, which kind of, ma- but, which makes some of this seem a bit uh, awkward. Right, because, the character, you know, yeah. the character's kind of a cad, but they loved the actor, I mean, understandably, mm-hmm. like, he's their their friend and co-worker, so it's like they want to pay tribute to their real-life friend yeah. who's died, even though their work friend was always kind of a dick to them. <laughs> yeah. 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 But to to his credit, I got the impression that he wrote on the back of each person's card in his Rolodex, he drew a picture of what he thought they looked like naked. <laughs> Not just the women, everyone. Yeah. Which doesn't make it any less uh, problematic for HR, but at least it's an equal <laughs> it's an equal opportunity harasser. It's true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, and Matthew says he knows that Bill's really dead. Which was kind of an interesting moment. Yeah, I thought they were... So he comes in and he's like, I don't think Bill is actually renting boats in Afghanistan or whatever. And I thought they were going to go towards the... He's actually, you know, skydiving. But then, no, he just just said, I think he's really dead. Which was, yeah, touching, I Yeah. And then Lisa and Dave kind of have a moment. And she then admits that she has, in fact, been drunk all day. (laughs) Yeah. A good good bit. David's still very concerned about her. <laughs> well, now she's kind of like functionally alcoholic, right? Where she's go- showing up. Yeah, now she's drunk. the. Yeah, she's the high functioning. Where like yeah. she needs to keep drinking just to keep going. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know how hilarious. hilarious. So then we see the empty desk for a minute, and then yeah, Jimmy Dames comes in and he he takes the desk home. He has some workers come while he sits on the desk and kind of wheel it out and then there's just like a shot of his empty chair for a few seconds and that's the end it's like a real silent kind of an ending Mm -hmm. which is just makes you think yeah Yeah, i mean this was like a real like what do you do about it kind of a thing like this was creatively a big challenge i think for everyone involved well yeah it was interesting when i was thinking about it and as you were talking about how they came back for the final season for syndication reasons and kind of after the death because they're like let's just not do this anymore and how it would have been a bummer not to have this episode to at least you know uh, pay respects to phil hartman but then the rest of the season is just completely unnecessary yeah well this is sort of like the best episode of of the season (laughs) yeah i mean well i mean i'm saying this could have been like a series finale almost and yeah yeah. i mean it'd be sad but felt good it felt like a proper season finale or series finale i should say Mm -hmm. and yeah so what's your takeaway um like what did you learn or how were you affected like david uh death sucks (laughs) i don't know (laughs) the only other thing i thought about i mean it was i think it was i think they did pretty well with what they needed to do and they did it respectfully. And yeah. that's all great. And I think, and the only other thing I thought was, it was good 
that they didn't try to bring in John Lovitz in this episode. That they Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. That they didn't just be like, now we have a new Phil Hartman or you know, it just went to yeah. work yeah. at all. And, and it's I guess it's worth pointing out that John Lovitz was reportedly very like conflicted about taking on the yeah. role yeah. and like filling it, you know, basically you know, he's a different character, but basically like stepping into Phil Hartman's shoes because of course they mm-hmm. were good friends and what if they just had John Lovitz play Bill McNeil and like, hey, I'm Bill oh, McNeil. God. Right, like that was, that was how he always was, yeah. Well, and also John Lovitz had been on two episodes of News Radio previously. Playing to two, different yeah. two different characters. Two different characters, yeah. Yeah. And he was and he was very much a different character. Like they didn't try to make him to be he almost felt like another Matthew to me, if I remember correctly, but it, he wasn't a good character though either. But. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, no, I would, um, I agree with David. I feel like they did the best they could with a, a terrible situation. I mean, I don't, this isn't a bad episode, but I also don't know that it's an episode I'd be like, yeah, let's watch the news radio where Phil Hartman, where they deal with Phil Hartman's death, like outside of obviously the context of, of this podcast, um, that's actually why I did this episode because I don't know if you know, but I spent fifteen bucks, on this <laughs> and I wasn't really dying to watch this episode, so this was me getting my. So it's uh, like it's it's that weird sort of thing where it's like it's a good episode, but it's not a good episode where I'm like, yeah, let's watch it again. Like it's, yeah. it's well, how well do we think it handled like the issue of death and grief and loss? Um, I guess about as can be ex- as well as can be expected yeah. from a. 22 minute sitcom i mean these these are quirky characters but for the most part it felt more like the way most people handle loss like this which is i mean there's no great way but they didn't try to make it into like these people are self-destructing now and need to be like saved or anything it's just they're all bummed at the moment you know and you're gonna they're going to get through it and they're going to, you know, move on eventually, but it's going to suck right now. And that's kind of the vibe you got that there wasn't going to be some sort of crisis that needed to be solved or an intervention, you know, where you could go down a road like that where someone's like too depressed about it, you know. Or, yeah, I feel like that's the thing I always come back to. And maybe that's as it relates to work I've done about issues or whatever. But uh, I always feel like when shows try to have a finality to the issue by the end of the 22 minutes that it feels very false yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. And if it's more just like a kind of open-ended, then I, I feel more like they did a good job. Like, yeah, I think they did the best they could with what they had mm-hmm. in this episode. Yeah. And, uh, it's just a bummer, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it'd be, uh, it'd be interesting to know, like if, you know, had he not, die like would the show have gone on yeah. or what would the because right. it's interesting too like where the show goes throughout the rest of the season because it gets really cartoonish and really like it doesn't feel like the same show like in a bunch of ways like tonally even it doesn't feel like the same show yeah it'd be interesting to see what phil hartman would do with the rest of his career too you know yeah and then we just well he was i mean he was uh he was supposed to be zap brannigan on futurama hmm. that was they you can really tell I mean, they wrote they 100 percent wrote that role for him 
Like, you can tell to the point where I remember when Futurama came out and me being like, oh, like, I don't like that they did that <laughs> because it felt so much like a Phil Hartman character. And I saw, I mean, I still remember watching the, the Simpsons episode that had the last, hi, I'm Troy McClure educational mm-hmm. video in it that, uh, mm-hmm. that Phil Hartman voiced and just being like, deeply sad when that was over and knowing that was the last like phil hartman character we were ever gonna get did they retire uh troy mcclure and lionel hutz yes yeah Yeah, after they aired what he had like already recorded like the episodes where he had done bits for the characters already and then once Mm -hmm. once those aired they retired those characters like they have okay i i want to say they've like i'm pretty sure they both had appearances like in the movie because I'm pretty sure in the movie they talked about how every character that's ever appeared on an episode of the show shows up in the movie in some capacity, but mm. but I not all not all with speaking lines and obviously mm-hmm. both yeah. Lionel Hutz and Troy McClure would not have been speaking in in their uh, in their movie appearances, but yeah they they retired the characters after his work was completed. Was he McBain also? I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like he was McBain, and they got a different McBain voice. But yeah, but maybe. he, yeah, but he wasn't like iconic in that role. Yeah, kind of, you know. Yeah, and McBain was kind of more of like a cheap yeah. accent. Like it wasn't a, it was like a bad impression. Yeah. It wasn't like a very right. Okay, well, that's gonna wrap up. I think our discussion, and then before we wrap up the show, uh, uh, after the discussion and before our plugs. There was a thing we we're gonna bring up. Were you gonna say something, Austin? Oh, I was just gonna—I ruined your transition. Um, I was just gonna—I was just gonna point out that uh, the crack research team dug up a fun little factoid about Phil Hartman, which was that uh, back in the '70s he designed three album covers for the band America. That's right. Because that's right, he was yeah, <laughs> and that's all because his brother John Hartman was the manager of America. Oh, <laughs> which I, just, I thought that was kind of cool. Both, that, but he was also like a really talented commercial artist, right? Yeah, apparently by the time he like by the time the '90s rolled around, he just sort of did it as a as a hobby. But like in the '70s, before he got into acting and stuff, he he made a name for himself as a commercial artist. Apparently, yeah, and he also co-wrote Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which is another oh, yeah, one of his right. greatest that's achievements right. in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, Phil Hartman, man. He was a mega talent. He was on SNL forever, yeah. too. He was oh, like yeah. really a staple of that show. Yeah. Well, okay. So, uh, I mean, if you have anything else to say about Phil Hartman, you can mm-hmm. throw it out because we'll be on for a few more minutes. But before we do our plugs and sign-offs, uh, we are also going to respond to a very special comment we got <laughs> on Facebook, uh, which I will now read to you. Uh, this came up a couple days ago. This was in response to our... Well, this was a general response, but I think in particular to our last episode. It, it was posted after our, our Roseanne episode. Our last Roseanne episode went up. This is from Peter Lewis of Chicago, Illinois. Hi, Peter. I don't know if you're listening, but uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about you. <laughs> so he says, You guys are really slipping in the humor department since uh, the SBTBR which was our old show. Saved by the Bell Reviewed. Mm-hmm. Available available for download or listening at savedbythebellreviewed.com. <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher, <laughs> Podbean. <Google> Play, Podbean. <laughs> so back to Peter Lewis's loving comment. Over-the-top virtue signaling is the funniest part of your show now. Remember, the only diversity that really matters is the diversity of thought and opinion. Sincerely, 
the silent majority who would be offended if we could take p-hat wearers like you seriously. Which, that's not a very good sign-off, Peter Lewis, because we know that you're Peter Lewis, because <laughs> there's your name and also a picture of you dressed as a stormtrooper as your profile, <laughs> which I don't know how much we want to address that. Although there is an interesting thing to think that this man is a stormtrooper. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't throw a stone in, in, in that particular direction. <laughs> I'm just saying this guy is uh, on the side of the Empire. It seems. Oh, right, right. So, uh, I mean, Austin, yes, is often dressed as a stormtrooper. In some variety of Star Wars costumes. So. <laughs> yeah, so then there's also some follow-up. Uh, this is probably our most active comment thread <laughs> ever. <laughs> Which is both good and kind of sad. Yeah, because I I I really don't like internet pissing matches. Mm-hmm. And then also some of these I don't even understand what they mean. Like one was really long and ranting and talked about navy seals. I, I think was like, that's I don't a even meme. Know what that... I don't think that person was serious. But... Well, I, I definitely don't think they were serious, yeah. but I couldn't even understand what they were trying to uh <laughs> say (laughs) this is where i start to feel like an old man where i'm like memes and i don't get this and the internet (laughs) i'm just a caveman that was frozen in a block of ice (laughs) i know too soon so uh and it's too bad that carol's not here but and we won't speak for her i don't know if she'll respond on a later one or whatever i mean we all responded online um well and i don't want to just like shit on this guy and make fun of him or be shitty to him because he is a listener. It sounds like he's a longtime listener. So I want to respect that. Uh, and I also kind of buried inside of this is some genuine critique. I think, I mean, certain things too. I think that, uh, okay, there's a follow-up comment that I think is also, uh, by worth addressing by Nam Chomsky, who I don't think is the real Noam Chomsky, but, um, boy, I, I would kind of hope I'd love it if it was the real Noam Chomsky. <laughs> I would, if it weren't for what he says, <laughs> which is why I also think it's not the real Noam Chomsky. <laughs> That's the only reason I don't think it's really <laughs> that, Noam literally the only reason. <laughs> yeah. He says, you guys are very funny and not so hateful on SBTB reviewed ever since the election. Most of you guys bring a, I believe he's trying to say sour. Yeah. But it's spelled wrong. Uh, attitude when it comes to certain topics. You guys have so much hate for a person that before any talk of elections, you never cared to give thought or mention, and because of that hate, anything associated with them is shit on. Like, really, all the stuff about pissing on some dead guy's grave and the other classless things Carolyn said, just because he was a Republican or because of what a character he played on a TV show said without knowing the real man. That was all one sentence <laughs> with a lot of comments. So I'm not going to get into grammar, Noam Chomsky, although, you know, being a very famous speaker. Political journalist. <laughs> political journalist, I feel like. And also, if you go to his profile, there's a lot of pictures of this guy holding guns. Yeah. So I don't know what you want to do about that. Um, but he also has a picture of Artie, the strongest man in the world. So points for that, Noam Chomsky. <laughs> But, um, oh, it's Noam Chomsky the third. Oh. Um, so again, I don't, uh, I'll start and you guys can go. I want to say a couple things. Uh, I mean, we're all leftists on the show, which is interesting to me too, especially since we didn't know you two guys when we first started doing the show. And that was like a question in my mind when we first started talking, I was like, oh, are we going to not line up politically? So I thought that was interesting. Uh, I think past the election a lot of people are really upset 
which is a whole thing, you know, and there's definitely a shift in a lot of things there. Um, but I also think that discourse has completely fallen apart, like in general, like to the point where I don't even want to talk about this shit. Like I had to Google what virtue signaling is, um, talking about pussy hats and stuff. And then like, what are we going to call him a Nazi now? And then we're going to, so I don't want this to fucking devolve into some lefty righty horse shit. Uh, so, I don't know if we can uh, do better than that. Uh, so virtue signaling is like when we try to show what how great we are and how good our politics are, right? Yeah. Is my understanding? Yes. Well, so, and I can see uh, that a little sort bit. Of. I, <laughs> is that what it is? I Google my it. understanding of virtue signaling, uh, which is what I. <laughs> that's. Uh, I don't know if I, I. My understanding is that it's trying to show the right politics even though what you believe other people want to hear even though that that might not be what you believe you're just trying to please others with what you're saying oh is that right that's, that's yeah which is mo kind of what you said i mean mm -hmm. it's not that different from what you said okay because i feel like we come off like assholes a lot on the show yeah i'm just curious who he thinks we're trying to please <laughs> if if, yeah, if that were the case clearly no one is we can all agree that no one is pleased by this <laughs> right. so uh including peter lewis the stormtrooper um and noam chomsky but um well i i guess what i want is in taking this as constructive criticism i do think that like our main goal on this show should be to be entertaining and that uh, like when I think about how this whole thing got started and like why I was doing it originally, um, or when I think about how I read like nerd news on the internet a lot, like it is kind of escapism for me. Like I, I, I wouldn't be adverse to being less politically minded in our discussions on this show is the only thing I would say that sort of supports what this guy is getting at that. I think that, uh, I, I wouldn't listen to a bunch of nerds talk about shitty TV so I could learn what their politics are. <laughs> uh, so that's my two cents. I mean, just that, like we, we talked about the election extensively right after it happened. And I was the only one I think who really didn't want to do that. Like, I feel like that's not what this show is, but you guys can disagree with me. I don't care, but I'm interested in your thoughts. Well, okay. Um, David, you probably have more to say than I do, so I'll jump in here and then let you go. Um, to your point, Ryan, um, I agree in principle. I don't necessarily like the assuming that this was all triggered by the Roseanne episode. It was mm -hmm. well, and it sounds like it's cumulative too. And we've gotten a right. little bit of feedback right. on other things. Right. That... So I'll, I'll speak to that in, in, in a moment, specifically within the context of of like the Roseanne episode. It's it's an it was an episode about power dynamics. It was an episode about right. gender power dynamics. It was an episode about working class anxieties, and that's political, and that's mm -hmm. that's very relevant in today's pop culture landscape as much as it is in the political landscape. And even though that episode came out in ninety two or ninety eighty nine or whatever it was, um you can draw a straight line from that to things that are going on today. And so I feel like to not talk about politics in the context of that episode 
would be doing our evaluation of that episode a disservice. As a counterpoint to that, this episode, we talked about death and how a TV show deals with the death of one of its actors. And I don't think politics got brought into it much at all. I don't mm-hmm. I don't even think we made any like snarky offhand comments in terms of politics, because certainly there are episodes we have done in the past that are about subjects not as politically motivated where we have made those comments. Mm-hmm. And to your point, um, to Nam Chomsky's point that of late we have seemed more sour and bitter. Um, uh-huh. Speaking for myself, he's not wrong. Um, I mean, it's truly reflective of our real lives. All, all I can all I can say to that is whatever he's hearing on this episode is about one tenth of the anger and frustration and genuine sadness that I carry around with me every day because of the state that the country is in right now. And mm. that is a weight that I carry with me and that I grapple with every single day as I try to not let it ruin my life. Um, mm-hmm. I am a significantly more angry person now than I was before the last election because mm. of everything that is going on in the world. And I struggle every day to not let that anger define me and to try to find ways to channel that anger into positive actions and and reactions. By no means am I entirely successful. And uh, as a result of that, yeah, there are times where I feel like I need to let off some steam of that anger and resentment and sadness. And so this podcast is one of those release valves sometimes because hmm. guess what this isn't our job no one's paying us uh this is a thing we do for fun and sometimes fun is letting off some steam and uh decompressing a bit given the shitty state in my perspective at least of the world today mhm uh so yeah i guess that's I guess that's my two cents for now yeah, what do you got, David? <laughs> I mostly agree. I just think saying don't be political is a political statement in and of itself. Like, I think, yeah. in my opinion, it's like almost impossible not to be political. And some of this, and some of maybe I'm being, quote, topping, talking more about topics now is because because of the past election and just make, it made me rethink a few things and some things I feel like maybe need to be said because apparently people don't, understand like i'm sounding condescending which isn't my intention but it's like there are certain things that i thought we were that were settled that apparently are not settled so now i feel the need to bring up you know that there is race inequality in the world and there is you know sexism that exists and we need to start examining that more because we're not in my opinion going on the right path with a lot of this stuff but Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, when Austin said like, oh, did you see this comment we got? So I first read it and the first sentence I thought was like, you guys are really slipping in the humor department since SBTBR. And I, and my first thought was, eh, he's got kind of a point there. I don't know. Because <laughs> I just remember, <laughs> well, I mean, I remember editing the Roseanne episode. I'm like, oh, this isn't our finest work, but it is what it is. Let's <laughs> just, 
Right, and well, that's, I wasn't on it, which is always yeah, like yeah, a really, yeah. That's frankly that was really <laughs> hurts the show. Frankly, you know? that was going to be the joke I made until it turned into a more of a political statement. It was like, well, it wasn't as funny because Ryan wasn't there. He was blaming <laughs> on that, and I think that's what's. I mean, that's the nature of this show versus SBTV reviewed because we're hopping around from show to show and topic yeah. to topic, and so it's like sometimes we're going to strike gold and sometimes we're going to swing and miss, and mm-hmm. it's not going to be as funny. Yeah, and I think when people say we're being too political, I will say that's just the nature of the podcast we're doing now is examining very special episodes, which means we're going to be getting into political topics sometimes, and I'm not going to shy away from what my opinion about these topics are. Yeah, yeah, and we shouldn't feel like we have to, especially, I mean, we have an audience. Yeah. It's it's not enormous, I don't think, but... uh... It's less than enormous. Uh, I think it's smaller than it was on our old show. Um, and again, I think the nature of changing shows all the time, too. Yeah, like I think, I think our audience listen. is much more varied. I think people just, they like mm-hmm. the show, they check it out. They don't know the show we're talking about, they don't listen. And that's yeah. uh, under, I do the same thing with podcasts that I listen to that are, when How Does This Get Made does a movie I don't know about, I don't listen to that episode. Yeah, I I'm like a Meg C for how did this get made? Oh, like, yeah, I just listen to it no matter what yeah. now. But um, which again, you listen, you start to listen to it because you like the hosts, right. you know. So right. part of it is just like you know, if you're not in line with our what we're into, and I mean, I think we should be able to live our values and our honest selves yeah. and speak about you know shit we want to talk about i mean i uh, i also think our show is like not designed to illuminate people like i don't ever think that someone's going to listen to our show and have like an an elevated understanding of the effects of workplace harassment <laughs> afterwards know. you know right, uh, right so that's part of it is that i really feel like this show is like a, a it's like a relief it's not supposed to be really you know it's not a ted talk right and to your point and to your point david working class anxiety wasn't something that came up on Saved by the Bell very often mm-hmm. outside of the occasional Kapowski episode. Yeah, because Kelly's dad sure was poor. Uh, I mean, I also think I'm in a weird spot with this because I do think it's like a really important moment to like present values and have a voice and all that, you know, like it seems really pressing. But I also think the quality of discourse has gotten so horrible. Like... I'm doing a thing where I'm engaging with social media a lot less. Like in the last three months, I'm on social media the least I've been in years. And I feel so much better because the amount of times that like I totally agree with someone and I hate the way that they're presenting (laughs) their views or even just like some of the responses to this guy, which, you know, like, oh, you can say that he uh, dissed our show. So now we're going to respond to it. But like. I don't want to shit on this guy or like make it that the entirety of who he is as a human being is based on this one fucking thing here. Like, I think that liberals are also fucking up really bad in terms of the way we talk about things and how we frame things and discourse in general. So, and that's making me really hesitant to really want to talk about anything anymore because like I have my values and I, I hold them, but I don't think I'm going to convince anyone of anything different than what they already believe. And also, uh, we're not having nuanced discussions here. It's just like a bunch of people fucking shouting at each other and a bunch of acronyms like you're an SJW and you're a Nazi and you're it's just like, 
uh, it's fucking exhausting, and it doesn't. I don't use Twitter at all anymore because of this shit. It's just like fucking gross, you know. So, so that sounds like cuck talk, Ryan. I know. Well, so that's the part of me that like wishes we could somehow just be apolitical uh, in our, which doesn't sound very realistic. Like that's not gonna happen. Right. Right. So I don't know. I don't think there's a solution to this. Yeah. You know. I mean, I really. It sounds to me, based on how he's writing, that this guy's listened to our show for a long time. I don't really know why a adult lawyer would ever listen to us, but um, <laughs> uh, we're much more a child lawyers kind of ball game. I know, right? <laughs> um, no, or like a like a copyright lawyer. What? Anyway, what were you gonna say? Dude? Well, the thing that really upset me about his comment was uh-huh. him accusing, I guess, me. Yeah, I was on that podcast of virtue signaling because i think that's pretty shitty and i think saying my opinions aren't my own but are just uh what i think other people want to hear is really denying like my diversity of thought and opinion because right i'm you know my opinions i believe are well thought out and well reasoned and usually well researched and if not i generally admit that it's something that i don't have a lot of knowledge in or didn't look up at all but for the most part when i say something it's what i mean and i don't like the fact that he's trying to say it's not what i actually think or believe yeah i mean i can speaking to the virtue signaling i can i can with 100 percent certainty guarantee to this guy that what I'm saying is what I believe. I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm not trying to like be part of the movement when I'm really not like, uh, yeah, I, I could go, I could go deeper down that road, but it's going to get more (laughs) condescending than it probably needs to be. So yeah, I will just echo David's sentiments, which is just to say that like, no, sorry. I mean, maybe you can't fathom that people genuinely believe what we believe, but that is what I believe. I'm not playing a part here. I'm not trying to look good. This is just me espousing my beliefs. It's just you looking good, man. You just look good, you know. And I can and I can and I can tell listeners for what it's worth that everything David does in his life is guided by the utmost logical thinking. Um, so pretty much any opinion he takes on an issue is because he's given it considerable thought and logic it through to the very end and has decided that that's the that's the way to go i'm just gonna cut back to 10 minutes ago and we were talking about his 16 drink bender but um <laughs> it was a, I did a, made a decision that sometimes you need to blow off steam you know it's See, logical there's we're logic human. behind everything there you go. he does I just too like again like in terms of online discord like as soon as someone says like oh virtue signaling yeah. and then uh, p hats and then it's like oh well you're I'm triggered by that and I'm traumatized it's just like I'm not gonna do the emotional labor to it's just like fuck all this <laughs> language that we're designing around these like quick yeah uh, methods of describing things it's just such a fucking <laughs> bottomless pit. So I don't know. I just want to say, like, I hope you like our show. I'm sorry. I think that we should work hard to be funny. Yeah. Like, that's the point of this show. So uh, I also think sometimes we're fucking had a shitty week or whatever. You know, I've been on deadlines sometimes when we're doing this and it's not 100 percent, you know, and like uh, uh, it's disappointing to me that people are, you know, less into what we're doing. But uh 
I don't know what to do. I mean, we got an email like six months ago from someone who was like, hey, I'm a big Republican and I don't like the way you guys are talking. And I think the response was kind of like, well, we're not going to not say what we believe. And so I'm sorry if it's not going to work. And I I know we have some uh, some right-wing listeners mm-hmm. who are still with us. I'd be interested in hearing from them too, like if someone is a big Republican and they like the show. Um but I, it's weird because 10 years ago, I would have said, now more than ever, you know, people on the left and right can't get along. And that's like escalated so much. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to solve the entire political climate on this series. Do you think that's true? Well, I, th- I thought we were going to end the political climate. I think, you know, next time we'll talk about an episode of Different Strokes and uh, we'll unite the nation. Yeah. You know, it'll be great. <laughs> So I don't know. I don't have a, a, a brilliant conclusion, but, uh, you know, uh, thanks for sharing your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of sounds like he's going to maybe not listen to the show anymore. I mean, he's possibly listening to this, but um, I don't like what he said. And I also don't like, you know, uh, a bunch of fucking comments that say he's a piece of shit either. So I don't I don't like any of it. I just don't like this shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> The end. <laughs> Someone called him like an aging white male on Facebook, and I'm like, I'm an aging white male. On Facebook. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Fuck. Like, what are we? What are? Where are we going with this? Also, we get a lot more uh, traffic and interactions from people when someone attacks us. So <laughs> there's something to yeah. that too. Yes. But I don't know. I don't think he's trying to be a dick. I think this is his real opinion as a listener. So I don't. I just don't know what to do with it. That's where I feel like. That's where I feel like the the virtue signaling claim is yeah. kind of being a dick. And the silent majority yeah, well, is yeah. kind of condescending. And oh, that's true. And actually, hold on, because he did say one thing that I just. Uh, he said. Um, the only diversity that really matters is the diversity of thought and opinion. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? That's think, so that I is fucking. The diversity that matters is the one where like people of all like, mm-hmm. you know, like where, where white people and black people are equal. I think that diversity matters. You left out a lot of ethnicities. I know. I know. Austin, you Nazi. I, I was traumatized by the, that comment. I, 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 we can. Yeah. We can move on. <laughs> so I don't know. That was a very messy. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess the big, I, I don't know. We, we do this show for fun. And I mean, I, yeah. like, I'm glad that we have an audience. I'm glad that people listen to it. I'm glad that people like it and are passionate about it. Um, well, that's a lot of assumptions, but yes. I mean, that's like one or two. <laughs> um, but like, because I mean, obviously, We're all creators in, in a variety of different media and forms, not just this show, but in, in other things as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, f- for all of us, Ryan and Carol, to a larger extent, because, you know, you guys have actually gotten you know paid for your creations. In a, well, in you a, don't have to rank it. In a prof- <laughs> I, know, I know, but I'm saying like in a professional capacity, but like the act of creation is a personal act. But at the same time, most people don't create for an audience of no one like you want you create for you, but you also put it out there. So you want an audience and you want feedback and you want appreciation for it. Um, and that's certainly true of this as well, but nevertheless, I mean, I'm not, 
people don't like our politics, people don't like our politics. I'm not going to like change my beliefs because, oh, we might lose a segment of our listening audience. I mean, we're not, right, right. you know, that, that's, that's, I mean, we're not that, we're not that big. And even if we were, I still wouldn't want to do that because, mm-hmm. you know, we are who we are and, you know, are we not funny enough? I guess that's a legitimate concern because we're ostensibly trying to be a, a comedy show, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, I've never been funny, so I don't know where that, uh, you know, that's, Oh, Austin, uh, that's <laughs> always been funny. Funny that one time. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just here to interface with the gruel orphans and maintain our schedule. Um, so like, you know, that's, I don't, <laughs> this is, this is going to sound more dickish than I intended to. It's like, I don't want this guy to think that like I'm afraid of him. Like, oh, one of our mm-hmm. listeners doesn't like us. We need to mm-hmm. take a U-turn and reevaluate what we're doing and make sure we're more listener friendly. Like, I appreciate the feedback. I, I kind of would liked it presented in a in a less uh, uh, buzz worthy buzz termy kind of way to yeah. you know to use your criticism and and I respect the, his opinion and he can not like our politics, but at the same time, like it is what it is and. Uh, when appropriate, it's going to work its way into the show. Yeah, I mean, I agree that it's occasionally inevitable, and that's just and that's just the nature of this show versus Saved by the Bell review. Because guess what? No one gave a shit about politics in the Saved by the Bell world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still think like our values come up a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. yeah this. The fact that we're all a bunch of flaming lefties can't be a surprise to anyone. I mean, we didn't we didn't yeah. beat this drum quite so vigorously uh, during Saved by the Bell reviewed for a number of reasons, but we weren't shy about our political standings back then either. No, yeah, that's true. I mean, I do also think that no matter what your stance on anything it is, everyone who utilizes any kind of voice feels attacked right now. Yeah, there's definitely some truth to that. So that's, and I feel like I spend as, well, part of it is like on social media, I don't really know any conservatives. I'm from all fucking liberal cities full of gay people having gay sex all day, like everywhere I've ever lived. <laughs> so I don't know any conservatives. Like I genuinely don't, but um, there's a lot of KY jelly all around me. But um, so my experience weirdly has been that I'm really sick of lefty presentations of because uh, all I see is liberals fighting about things that they genuinely basically agree about. Like and that is fucking exhausting to me, like to the point where I can't even look at it anymore. So I don't know. So uh, part of me is just like, I don't want to engage with this at all. And I don't want to I don't want to try to win an argument or fight with anyone. Uh, but I I. The only part that kind of stings is that he says we're slipping in the humor. I, I want us to be funny. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we can agree to keep, you know, bringing our, our, our shit to that degree. If you don't like the content, there's not a lot we can do. It sounds like yeah. we're not going to limit ourselves or we're not going to tiptoe around shit. Um, yeah. And I guess, but, and all I would say is, is I think it's just the nature of this particular beast that, Comedy is going to vary from show to show just based on what we're talking about and how, you know, the episode we're talking about. Yeah, because some of and, these episodes, uh, uh, we don't pre-screen before deciding upon them. Just being like, oh, oh yeah, I... rarely do yeah. we pre-screen. <laughs> and then yeah. so, like, I pick an episode and then I watch it and I'm like, 
I got nothing to talk about, so let's hope we can find something. And certainly none of us, I don't think any of us, when we're hosting, I don't think any of us have ever picked something that we haven't seen before. Ah, with a few exceptions. I hadn't seen that Roseanne episode, so... Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. I I still haven't seen all of the Star Wars Christmas special. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? Um... But, uh, but I mean, even like, I usually pick something I've seen before, but I've seen it maybe once before. Maybe it was when I was 10 years old and I don't fucking re- right. remember it. So you're like, oh yeah, that was a thing. And then like that Punky Brewster episode, I watched it when I was a kid. It scared the bejesus out of me, but I don't know that, it, you know, once you sit down to watch it and you're like, okay, that was stuff that happened. I mean, mm-hmm. you never know what you're getting into, even when you're picking something that you may have seen before. Well, we've now been talking about this guy's Facebook yeah, so. post for as yeah. longer than we talked about news. Radio. So, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, thank you for listening. I love you. Uh, what's his name? Peter. <laughs> Lewis. Uh, Peter Lewis. I love you from the bottom of my heart. I am inviting you to marry me. I think that's the only solution yeah. to settling our differences. Is if you and I got married on next week's show. It reminds me of a one of a, a line from news radio I quote very often is, "Can't you two stop fighting long enough to see that you love each other?" <laughs> that is a great one. <laughs> um, so, David, where can I hear your liberal rants online? Oh, uh, at Doctor Vitz. That's on Twitter. You'll see plenty of them. Uh, actually, I don't know how. Uh, uh, you usually just see me counting drinks on St. <laughs> Patrick's Day, I suppose, but. Very the story true. behind that was just the first few ones I forgot where I was the previous day, so then I decided to, I needed a way to keep track. Uh, and then uh, you can find me at therealgentlemanofleasure.com. But I don't have a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that always means that you don't. <laughs> when I'm like, uh, I, I forgot I was at that place. So, like, like everything, you know, you can just, through the power of arguing, you can make anything true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I yell loud enough, it's true. Uh, and Austin, where might I find you? Uh, you can find my liberal rants on Twitter, at Austin Gordon. Uh, and you can read my writing at therealgentlemanofleisure.com. And you can find my perfectly balanced and nuanced observations <laughs> that upset no one uh, on, I mean, I don't really use Twitter, so it's almost true that what I just said. Um, <laughs> you can't offend anyone when you're not using it. Well, you don't say anything. Uh, oh, yes, very nice. O-H-Y-E-S, very nice. At oh, yes, very nice is my Twitter. Um, oh, yes, very nice.com is where you can see my art. Uh, and then that's my Instagram. If you want to follow me on Instagram, uh, that's all. As for the show, a very special episode. Uh, you can visit our website, a very special episode podcast.com, where you can stream every single episode ever. If you want to leave a Facebook comment, <laughs> uh, facebook.com slash AVSE pod. Our Twitter is at AVSEpod, and uh, you can email us at AVSEpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll probably read them on the show. The show itself... Oh, hey, Ryan, down- that's a good... Before you go into that, um, in terms of contacting us and, and sending us emails or leaving us comments on Facebook, um, always good to call out uh leave us suggestions for future episodes to cover oh we love that um, yeah, you know, we, yeah we have a, a a running tally of ideas and suggestions and things like that but uh, um 
you know, it's, and so, which is to say, if you've already suggested an episode and we haven't covered it yet, you don't need to suggest that episode again. We we have that on our list. Um, <laughs> but if you think of something else or, you know, new listeners or whatever, um, it's always worth, uh, you know, making a suggestion. Um, we like like that just to kind of see the kind of things people might want us to talk about it's always hard to know how to respond to that like if someone's like oh you should do the episode of punky brewster where she gets locked in the fridge and you're like wait we did that one already like (laughs) i don't want to be a jerk and point that out it's like you seem enthusiastic but not enough to check our list of episodes (laughs) i don't have a problem i'll just be like hooray we already did check it out here yeah. it's your lucky we thought that was such a good suggestion that we went back in time <laughs> and recorded your, it it's your lucky day yeah no i mean whatever i mean we have like what 43 episodes now as of this recording that's not a shit ton but i can't expect every new listener to familiarize themselves with our back catalog if they don't want to that's fine i expect every listener to familiarize themselves with our look i'm the pedantic nerd that can't listen to a podcast if i don't start from episode one but i don't expect everyone to be like that (laughs) anyway i i'm fucking hungry so uh (laughs) i'm gonna go make a fucking turkey burger after this um (laughs) sounds like a i can't wait um are you offended by that go fuck yourself so you can download every episode of our show on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and Stitcher, where you can also rate and review us. We only accept five-star reviews. Yeah. Uh, and so if you have less stars in your review, then just keep that shit to yourself, you know? Uh, write us a Facebook message. And you can rate and review us on Facebook. If you want to rate us one star, just rate it five stars. We'll rate it one star plus four more, and we'll just know that it was really, like, a one-star review. We can do the math. Well, I understand. We're very intuitive about our star rating reviews, and it's very easy for us to understand what you mean, even when you give us five stars. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's it, man. (laughs) Uh, Come back in two weeks. We don't know what we're doing yet, right? We can't can't tease it. So maybe make a suggestion. Uh, A special guest? Possibly you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, until next time, this is WNYX signing off. Yeah, that was this ABC on your home PC with some VIPs of SBTB. Was it Austin G, Dr. DB, RAT, or the C What the heck was with that TV? This podcast is kind of funny. Excuse us all, because we gotta go pee. Signed off. Yeah. Oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what they're calling it now? He signed off. off. All right. And stop. All right, now cut the shit. We're going to talk about news radio. So, um, sorry, I'm going to start over. (laughs) I'm going to start the whole thing over. No, okay.